Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's actually taking a holiday next week, but only from the theatre. The podcast will still come out. It's Richard Herring! very much welcome back i mean welcome for the first time you're much better than last week's audience <laughs> they, they weren't good uh, welcome to rich eyes lesser square theater podcast i was talking to jeremy cunt today um who lives his whole life in mortal fear of someone accidentally calling him jeremy hunt that is a fucking class joke that's the best joke i've done that is reserved that's the best joke I've done in this section for a while. He calls it Rallastapa, so... Will there even be a chance for the Exchequer by the time this goes? That's how much things can change. December the 7th, this is going out. Imagine that future. Ah, uh, good. Anyway, um, uh, uh, today, uh, Jeremy Hunt has just taken over as Chancellor of the Exchequer as we're recording. He was in uh, the Houses of Common listing all the money saved by not going ahead with the measures that Tories had proposed a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, and I've saved £100 billion by not funding the space mission to Mars that I said I was going to do. So, you know, we can, all, we can all save money, can't we? We can all save money by promising something and then not doing it. I thought it was a little bit hypocritical. Uh, I am off next week on holiday. I'm taking it. It's a family holiday, so it's no kind of holiday for a parent. Uh, and we're going to centre parks. Uh, so I'm just hoping no one important dies in the next seven days. Or I'm going to be a prisoner. I mean, you're a fucking prisoner in centre parks. I don't know if you've been to centre. Have you been to centre parks? No, don't go. And don't go on your own. It'll look strange. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's not, it's, not a, it's not the nicest place, even when you're allowed to walk around there. You feel sort of like you're in the prison. You feel like the prisoner. Remember the prisoner? No, of course you don't. <laughs> you're young. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to going away. We'll be back at the Leicester Square Theatre uh, on the 7th of November uh, with Rich Hall and uh, hopefully somebody else will find out. Oh, no, I mean, sorry, just him on his own. Keep on, keep on slipping up. Uh, do come and see us again. We've got some fantastic guests coming up. Go to richherring.com slash gigs and you can find out. There's loads of these coming up in 2023 as well, as long as I'm still alive in 2023, which I, I intend to be. Um, look, my guest this week is uh, probably best known as the co-anchor of Log.TV. That's why we're all here. Uh, he was also an AD1 member in St. Trinian's 2, The Legend of Fritton's Gold. That's a film. Yeah, that's, we've got a film star here today. Will you please welcome the incredible Humphrey Carr, ladies and gentlemen. Here he comes. Look, here he is. From St. Trinian's 2. The, the, the Legend of Fr- Fritton's Gold. Gold. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. We all remember it well. Yeah. What, yes. do, what does AD1 mean? AD1 uh, I member. was a baddie, so I, that was one of the... Well, basically every acting job I ever got in yeah. the UK before I, I fled to other climbs uh, was based on me being very tall. Okay. There was a sequence in that film where two small girls get on each other, one gets on the other's shoulder, uh, and they're wearing a, a, a robe and are infiltrating a sort of secretive underground Illuminati-type thing. And I was basically a henchman, and I got head-butted in the testicles by the lower half okay. of the... <laughs> Of the of the duo, so they truly were like, we just need a we need a jumbo. Uh, do you yeah. have a jumbo? Yeah. And my agent's like, yes, this, this one will do. <laughs> I think I literally, I think I, was, I I had one line, and then I had to go like, ooh, and sort of cross my eyes. <laughs> it was very. Uh, I'm not even sure I did a very good job of that. Okay. Um, but I met Gemma Arterton, and she was very nice, yeah, and so I counted it as a win. Okay, good. Yeah. And uh, what was uh, Log.TV with Rufus? With Hound? Rufus Hound, with yeah. TV's Rufus Hound. That was a that was a sort of speculative. Um, it was one, one of many attempts to do, like, what if we did a British daily show by some production yes. company or other? I truly had forgotten I'd ever done it until <laughs> just then when you said it. You said, you said Anchor, and I was like, Anchor? And I was like, oh, yeah, I did that thing. Um, yeah, it was, that was fun, because working with Rufus was great fun. Yeah. Um, but it was you know, very short-lived. We, we shot a couple of... I think it was... I have a vague recollection. It was all in front of blue screen, and they were going to do lots of sort of fun exciting CGI things and I don't know if they, they ever got to that stage <laughs> I think maybe they just watched the footage and were like well, I don't know, there's no CGI in the world that can save this there was a lot of shows like that so I'm surprised that I wasn't also in there somewhere you, I, well you, you might the, well have been if, I, 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 I forgot about it in, so you might have done as well the, in the 2000s there were a few that uh, I ended up doing that I don't think anyone ever saw if they even went out who knows Who knows if these oh this were, never went out never uh, that, went. that I'm very confident okay. yeah, it, was never, it was never broadcast or <laughs> okay. streamed or anything I think it was it was very speculative 
I mean, log.tv is like the worst possible uh, Oh, and by the way, name. you may be wrong, but yeah. uh, you may not know this, but log.tv, we were reliably informed, was going to replace Facebook. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was like, this is going to be everyone's one... That was, I'm, more is coming back to me as you talk about it. They were like, this is going to be everyone's one-stop shop for news, comedy, uh, entertainment. Um, people will watch movies on log.tv. They, they won't go to the cinema anymore. They will <laughs> log into log.tv on their, their home computers. Wow. Um, and I don't know if maybe... maybe I don't know if anyone here has logged into log.tv recently, but I, I don't know that it's... In fact, I'm going to Google that. As soon as I leave, I'm going to see yeah. if you can get onto log.tv. People will be trying right now in the audience to see if they yeah. can. And, and maybe it's turned into a huge thing. What if it's got 50 million views and I'm, <laughs> I'm owed hundreds of thousands of pounds <laughs> that I'm unaware of? That would be wonderful. <laughs> hey, look, I mean, there's, there's a lot to talk to you about. I've been... I started watching uh, Welcome to Wrexham last night. And yes. In the, I saw the first episode was a half an hour long. I thought, maybe I can get through the whole... I could munch a couple before I watch a couple, but I've watched fourteen episodes. I haven't quite got to the end, but it's so good. Thank you, thank um, you. Do you want to? Well, explain what it is for people who haven't seen it. It's on it's on Disney uh, if Disney you're Plus. Disney Plus if you're in yes, the UK. yes. So, Welcome to Wrexham is a, is a documentary about the uh, unlikely takeover of a, uh, a fifth tier North Walian football club by two famous Hollywood men. Um, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds. Um, and uh, sporadically, you see me, their hapless friend, yes. who is also involved and who kind of slightly got the ball rolling on the whole thing by introducing Rob to the concept of football. And he rewarded me by making me executive director of the football club. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, the idea is that you could get onto log.tv and watch this, this football <laughs> team uh, in due course. That would be your one-stop shop for all Wrexham news. Um, but in the meantime, whilst Dog TV is still spooling up, um, yeah, we, we've been. We a documentary was made about the whole process because it's been very weird and wonderful, and uh, uh, we've been welcomed very, very effusively and kindly by the people of Wrexham. And um, you know, it, it has been yes, this bizarre last two years of my life. I've been doing I mean, this it's, thing. It's really, it's a lovely show. It's a heartwarming show. It's a really interesting show. It, it sort of doesn't pull its punches either as well. It's like because it's, it is these two big American superstars yeah. coming to where it seems like a weird thing to do, it, that people are a little bit suspicious that it might be a mm. PR stunt. Yeah. We're not quite sure whether the, the, maybe Ryan Reynolds is as quiet as behind it to begin with at the, at yeah. the beginning. And, and it goes on this journey, but also we see a lot of non-Hollywood stuff. We see a lot about Wrexham. Which is much more interesting, yeah. to be completely frank. I mean, I, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I, the guy's have been this incredible uh, engine for the whole thing and none, none of it could happen without them. But the, the thing that's special is the thing that was already there, which was which was a football club that's completely at the centre of the heart of the town and is so loved but was kind of, through no fault of anyone, was, was slowly kind of declining. You know, it, it was owned and operated by the fans and they'd done an amazing job of doing that, but they just, the resources you need to to thrive and survive as a football club these days even in the fifth tier were too much for a group of people to have like i mean a whip round at the end of the season which was essentially how they would do these like build the budget initiatives and yeah. uh, fans would like do all sorts of amazing and crazy things and walk from john o'groats to land's end and and put the money into the budget and, and things like that so um i'm quite jet lagged i've lost the thread I've no, <laughs> no, no idea where good. i started with that but it's great but it's but it is you know it's it's a, I, what I find it interesting amongst many things in it is it's like 
some rich people. I mean, mm. Ryan Reynolds obviously has made a lot of money as an actor. He's done well. And is a businessman, and Rob is, as well as a fan yeah. from uh, Always Sunny in yeah, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Is that where you... Met I met so I met Rob through my wife wrote on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia for for has, has written on It's Always Sunny since season thirteen, which is they're now on to season sixteen or something like that. But they right. do it quite sporadically. So for like the last five years or so, and then she created a show called Mythic Quest on Apple TV yeah. with Rob, and um, very sensibly and studiously avoided hiring me to that show in any capacity. But uh, unfortunately for her, they realized on day one of the writer's room, I mean, genuine day one, they were like, right, this is a show all about video games and a video game studio and particularly uh, World of Warcraft, a World of Warcraft sort of uh, um, analogy. And um, uh, they were like, right, who plays video games to the 10 writers in the room? And two people put their hands up and they're like, and which one of you, you guys play World of Warcraft, right? And they're like, no. And my wife was like, oh, God, I know one big <laughs> shiftless loser that hangs around my house that spends quite a lot of time playing World of Warcraft, or did once. So I got sort of summoned into the office and um, uh, initially really was like, come in, bring your laptop, we'll plug it in, show everybody how the game works, and then fuck off. Uh, and I was like, okay, <laughs> fine. Um, and I came in, and, and of course, you know, then there were loads of questions like, well, what, what's it, how does this bit work, and how does this bit work? And I came back like three days in a row, and then eventually they were like, oh, just join the staff. So I, <laughs> so I um, got hired as a writer on that, and... And that's where I met Rob, and that's where Rob became aware of my obsession with football because I would watch it during our lunch breaks because I'm a real sociable guy. Um, <laughs> I would often sit at one end of the table um, with my laptop open with like a Liverpool game on. If it was like an 8, 8 p.m. kickoff, that would correspond with our lunch. Um, and he would always kind of make fun of me for watching it. And uh, uh, during this first lockdown, um, or first time LA went into lockdown, like March 2020, we were all exchanging, oh, you should, we all thought we were having two weeks off. It was great. It was going to be really fun. We were just going to stay at home, get paid to like fuck around and do nothing. Uh, and I, my recommendation to the group thread was the Sunderland Till I Die documentary, which is yeah. on Netflix, which is amazing, which does such a brilliant job of explaining, of kind of showing the weird, semi-religious, very cruel nature of being a football fan. Yeah. Um, and he watched that, and it was like a light bulb went. He was just like, "Oh, I get it now. I understand why you care about this thing, where there are so few points." And I was like, "It's goals, you, <laughs> you dud. We don't call them points." Um, uh, and yeah, he it, it, for, his weird response to that because Rob is a maniac was like, "Let's buy. We should buy a soccer team." Uh, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that sounds wicked." You know, like <laughs> yeah, any you bet. Um, and then it didn't go away. He didn't stop saying that for like two or three days. And then he was like, I found a, a brokerage that buys football teams. Which team are we going to buy? So I started looking around and made a very unscientific matrix of football teams and the pros and cons of them. And Wrexham came out on top. And then we, then he bought a, a GD football team. Yeah. here I am. I mean, it's, it's nuts. But like, I think what I was going to say is, you know, when people make so much money that they've got more money than they can ever spend. Yeah. Like, most of them seem to then just try and make more, more and more money and become billionaires. Yes. I don't understand why more people don't do things that are, A, a bit crazy, or B, go, hey, if we do this, hey, we might make some more money, it, but B, we'll really help out it, all these people. It's so fun. It's so <laughs> yeah. rewarding. I, don't, I, I, I completely agree. It's like, you know, the the the... the the outlay that they have made, yes, they're paying, they're paying, put lots of money into the club and they're still putting lots of money into the club. Um, but they also, what they get out of it is just you can't get from anything else because you, yeah. you are bringing so much joy and positivity and excitement to a town that like, 
you know, historically has been kicked in the nuts over and over again because there was a big coal mining town and a big steel town and, and a big brewing town and a big, like, traditional market town. And all of those things kind of went away and were not really replaced very quickly. And so, so it went through kind of a, a bit of a rough patch and the football team was the thing that everybody loved and that started sort of to decline slightly because of some very unscrupulous previous owners and things. And yeah. The fans took it over and saved it. But it's like, you could, yes, rather than, why are you trying to build a rocket to blast your giant sarcophagus into the space <laughs> to do nothing out there that's useful when for, for, you know, that money can be spent in a way that it will just end this, is, is so rewarding. Yeah. The thing about this has been so amazing for me and I'm, I'm I, many magnitudes less than, than the two guys in terms of my contribution to the whole thing is just how, like, lovely and, like, kind and generous and excited people have been that we're there. Yeah. It's very nice. Well, it's you know, it's it's re- that's what's terrific about it, and I think it's it's interesting that it doesn't kind of dodge the issue. You know, the people are some people are suspicious of, of yeah. them, and and maybe rightly so to begin with, or at least you can understand why that it might be a joke or it might be, of a, you know, a passing fancy. But it, 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 both of them become obsessed with it. But also, yeah. you see these. You know, I, I really like the episode. I mean, there's a great episode that's just about how great Wales is, which is sure. fabulous. I'm just and that's. Yeah. It's not the same. You know, you you can just change the format of this show, and it's so there's just a well, they're sometimes brilliant. It's sketches, and sometimes yeah. it's yeah, they're brilliant communicators yeah. and brilliant. You know, they're both incredibly talented people, and they 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 are funny and personable and interesting and interested and all those things in real life. And so they, you know, their approach to it is is quite unusual. They they are like you know, they they're less they don't take themselves very seriously. They take the club very seriously yeah. and like what we do around there, but they make a lot of fun of themselves and they play jokes on each other and they, they do all these things that, you know, football is very serious. People that are into it, we take it really seriously. We care about it. And sometimes it could be a bit stuffy for that. It could be a little bit staid and, and, and stale and no one wants to say, you know, you watch every post-match interview, everyone says the same five boring things because they don't want to say anything controversial. Whereas they are like, let's, let's do weird, wild and wonderful things, which is... Is very fun. I, I think the people of Wrexham have been really enjoying that as and well. So for you, from your point of view, from this watching Liverpool, which obviously now yeah. you, you're more into Wrexham than Liverpool. Yes. But is, how weird is that to go from this writer's room where you're watching football to then being the executive it's director bananas. of a football club? It's completely absurd. <laughs> I mean, like, the whole thing is an absurd aspect of this in a way. I mean, we hired people who knew what they were doing and put them in charge. Yeah. And, and nominally, those people answer to me, but often I characterise it as I'm like, what, what should I be telling you to do now? <laughs> and they say, tell me to do this. And I'm like, yeah, do that, please. Um, at, uh, but do it, uh, do that plus this. So it sort of vaguely feels like I have, uh, like, if, like I've contributed. Um, I think one of the, the keys to our Touchwood success, because it has been pretty successful so far, has been understanding we don't know what we're doing yeah. and, and making sure that everyone we talk to understands that as well, uh, and so, so that we're not interfering or being like, you should play this guy or you should do that. Like, why are we playing this system? Like, much more fun if you did this. We're like, you, you guys have spent years. In the game, you you do it. You do what you want to do. Well, it's not you know having a bit of money. You're able to you've pulled in a, a manager who would have been from a higher league. Yes, and a yeah. couple of star players who were yeah, from yeah. from higher league. I mean that's that's quite interesting how you how you got those guys that they're they're prepared to because the, the national league is uh, is a is that's a big glamorous. step. Down. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a big step down. So it's League Five, but it's but but as you say, and as a York City supporter, I know all about. Yeah, there's a very real chance that the two of us, as I said on tour, will come to yeah. blows tonight yeah. as to as supporting two different teams <laughs> nationally, two alpha males, like two beefcakes yeah. on we, the stage. There's a chance we'll, we we'll have to be yeah. separated by. I'm the very start. much hoping we'll meet in the playoff final. No thanks. No, no. <laughs> and we York would like will, to be just flat out champions. Just get York out of the league, and York can through. York can win it. That would be great. Uh, I'm Dave Reed, who I work with for many years, one yeah. of my best friends. He's a York City fan, lives just around the corner from the stadium. So I'm all for York City doing great, <laughs> apart from on December the 9th, I think we play, <laughs> okay. we play you, and whenever it is, sometime in, sometime in March we play. But it's, as you say a lot in the show, it's very difficult to get out of this league. Once it really in, is. York have been in it, got out of it once and went back down again, and then went down even further, and it's even harder to get out the yeah. next one. But it's... But it's yeah, it's it, it is this fight, and there's a lot of good clubs in that league, and there's, yeah. some, there's some bad clubs in that league, but there's some very good ones, uh, and often they go up and do pretty pretty well. So it's yeah. I mean, our hope is if we can get out of the nationally, it's just got a little. Uh, there's a small. Uh, I did a strange symbol there. There's a small <laughs> gap for you to get out of uh, uh, the national league. Champions get promoted, and then two through seven play each other in a playoff system, and, and the winner of that goes up. So, yeah. spoiler alert: last year, it's sort of all out now. The documentary we we finished second by a Nats whisker to to Stockport County, um, and then got beaten in the playoffs by Grimsby, who'd finished like thirteen points behind us. So, you know, the, the horrible lottery of knockout football we are desperately trying to avoid this year. Yeah. So I'm sacrificing chickens and um, <laughs> bribing officials and all sorts of not, bri- not bribing officials. I've made that very clear. Um, but, um, very, very clear. Cut, cut, cut a bit. Cut. Um, yeah, great, great. It's, it's staying in, isn't it? Uh, yeah, the, 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 I, know, I know how you swines the media work. I am a media swine. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, we, you know, we, we are crossing our fingers, uh, but also trying to cross the T's and dot the I's and make sure we've got everything we need to, to try and escape. Because Wrexham have been down, we're the longest uh, serving members of the National League. We've been right. down now, this is our 15th season down here, I think. Yeah. I know there's at least one Wrexham fan here, Andy, it's 15 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, hear, you hear the grim, the grim voice of a man who spent too long in the National it, League. It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult place to be. There's a couple of moments I want to talk to you about your own appearance sure. in this show. Now, when you first go to meet the players, yes, yes. Uh, you give a little speech. Yes, if you, if <laughs> and they all call it. I, I, I mumble in front of them for for a short period of time. Yes, and then you leave the room, and before the door is shut, all of the players a laugh. gale of laughter. Yeah, <laughs> yes, which which uh, people are like. Oh, well, that's interesting. I wonder if they've like. I wonder if they've sort of cut that together in such a way to make it like that. Nope, that was I. <laughs> That, the sound of that laughter was ringing in my ears. As someone who professionally tried to get people to laugh for a long time, it's weird how galling it can be when they're laughing at you at the wrong time. Um, but no, I mean, listen, I think it was totally understandable on their part. It was so weird for them but because it, suddenly into their midst was thrust, A, a stranger, which, yeah. which, you know, football is quite a closed shop and they all know, lots of people know each other. You know, you discover every game we play, you know, probably half our players know half the other team they played with them somewhere or something yeah. everybody kind of knows each other and I am really am a total outsider and I know that probably they had googled me and again been like what's log.tv <laughs> you know like what, what is this thing where's, where's he come from um, you know and, and yes I was I was a stranger in a strange land and I also got wildly nervous because yep. as I said on the documentary it was like being <laughs> back at school in front of like the cool guys 
and I was like a theatre dork, and I was there to be like, I'm, I'm in charge of your football team. <laughs> and I leant on the light switch and switched the lights <laughs> off at the start, which again, not planned, and just, uh, oh, I don't know. Looking back at it, I'm like, why didn't I put my bag down? I was like holding my bag. <laughs> and I also had very long hair at that stage, because I'd been, it was middle of lockdown, really. Yeah. I mean, that was a period, that was during a point where we were playing games behind closed doors. And I... I, know, I thought it was. I thought my hair was cool. It wasn't cool. I looked bedraggled. I looked like sort of the new Gandalf on the on the new bad Lord of the Rings show. It just looked like I'd fallen out of a meteor. So they very understandably were like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And why I is think he it's here? quite an affection. It's a laughter of like, "What the hell's going on?" Yeah, so they're not laughing. They're not laughing at you. No, no, they, re- they really, they really, they really weren't. I really don't think they were particularly. They were more laughing at the situation. They were all yeah. very nice, and and uh, Dean, the manager as well, was very welcoming to me. And you know, every, everybody was sort of, you know, w- was much kinder than that sequence makes it perhaps look like. Um, I think it comes across. I think, I think there's a warmth to this show, and it, that all comes across. It just, it's, it, there, it's the tension of this is a weird situation, and then yes. we can, oh, it's just a laughter of, oh, okay, this, yes, that, right. that's finished. Well, I mean, truly, you, you are coming in also as like a potential sort of angel of death in a way, because it's like this is how the clubs work for a long time. We're yeah. all part of this system. They all know we're going to be investing money and doing all sorts of things, and that's going to have different outcomes for different people in that room. So I think, you know, it may have been like a slight thing of relief that I wasn't like, I'm taking over control of the team. Because yeah, yeah. Cause we were also, at that stage, still very much having to try and prove to people on the ground that we weren't maniacs and that we were doing it for real and that we were going to be around for a while. Yeah. So I think, I think it was all the combination of those factors. I think so. And then my other favourite appearance of you in uh, the, so far, yeah. uh, in the first 14 episodes... Yes, I've got a horrible video. You, there's a whole scene where you're auditioning... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obi Wan yep. Kenobi to, to be in the to be Kenobi. in the show, not yep. to be Obi Wan yep. Kenobi. Unfortunately, I was not able to edge out uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name, uh, Ewan McGregor. <laughs> yes, yeah. There's just a just a horrible sequence of me filming a self tape in the garden of the place I was staying at in Wrexham, which thank God it was much longer. And they also included at the end my actual tape to camp, like me doing the lines. Yeah, and I basically was like, please don't do this to me. I will quit. I'll quit if you do this. And they're like, oh, fine. So they dropped that bit. But I mean, you, you know, you're an actor. that just makes it look more insane because it looks like you're auditioning just to walk. Just to walk around. I know, but like camera. that bit was daft and at least I'm like, oh no, this is a bit stupid. Whereas the bit of me earnestly speaking into the camera trying to be a Star Wars man. I, you know, I think any actor, the idea of having a failed self-tape broadcast to the world yeah. is a nightmare. Unless, unless you crushed it and they just gave it to someone else. But Didn't I did you not feel like what I found extra funny about it is that you're filming yourself doing a self-tape being filmed by professional photographers. You yeah. could have just said, can you film myself self-tape for me rather yeah. than me using a camera? They lent me a tiny camera. <laughs> and like, I was definitely like set up brutally for it. Um, and I definitely, the, the bits they filmed, I banished them from the room when I was doing the actual tape, but then when I came out... They're all just sort of hovering. This giant camera crew is sort of waiting to catch my reaction. And, of course, I, t- I did about 56 takes trying to get this incredibly straightforward thing done. Because <laughs> I was like, I know they're there and they're going to hear me and it's all very embarrassing. So I, I, I think I probably would have been in Star Wars if it hadn't been for <laughs> and it's, But it's sort of so funny to see. I mean, it's so, I've, I've done a few tapes. and I, do, I don't do that much acting, but occasionally I've done some... And it's such a difficult thing to do, even if no people aren't watching you. I hate it. But it's also it's sort of so funny to see you breaking off from 
your job as a football executive to right. see if you couldn't get a job marching along. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was, um, <laughs> yes, I I, uh, I think I worked out that it was the part that Rupert Friend ended up doing. Okay. It was like the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. But the problem is on those things, and again, I'm sure you're probably aware of this, like they, when it's a really big fancy project, like that, they won't tell you what you're doing. No. You know, they're like, okay, so it's a part, you're a military man, but that's all you're going to know. And here's a scene from a completely different movie. Yeah. And so I... I I played it as like I tried to go. I was like, they wanted someone tall again, similar to the the plum headbutting <laughs> yeah. fest of, yeah. of Fritten's Gold. Uh, there was like, must be over six foot six. So I was like, well, this has got to be an alien. This has got to be a big alien type thing. And the aliens are always goodies. So I played it very as it's tried to be sort of noble alien man. And then I watched the thing, and he's like a sort of horrible, nasty monster man. He's like, well, they probably watched this tape. And we're like, well, no, nowhere close. This guy's not a baddie. I was like, well, you didn't tell me to be a baddie. So you're just completely rolling the dice on those. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird, what they want or not. It's a weird life as an actor. And so what was... Because you'd done a lot in the UK. You'd been in the Penny yeah. Dreadfuls, people might know you from, and you'd been... Did you win yeah, the Perry? Of, won the, I did. I got Best Newcomer at Edinburgh yeah. Comedy Award in 2011 for a show called Dimmock Watson Nazi Smasher, which yeah. was very lightly based on my grandfather who, who smashed Nazis during the war. That was his main, one of his many uh, jobs in the war. Uh, he got parachuted into Romania to blow up an, uh, an oil refinery and right. was betrayed and escaped. It was all very dramatic. Um, and I did a very stupid version of that at the Edinburgh Festival where I played a bunch of different characters and did a bunch of, in retrospect, probably quite offensive Romanian accents. Um, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I, yes, that was that was my my lot over here. And so, what time. sent you? What 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 was the the move to America? Was it just seeing what was going well, on? Well, that show just... that show, I got an agent in in Hollywood off the back of that show because right. they came and saw the show and they were like, "You must come out to Hollywood. It's it's terrific." And I um, could not get arrested in this town uh, unless it was for being headbutted in, in the book. Like, yeah. right, we need someone really tall, and also. A thing that people don't that I've realised since moving to America is being a very tall actor is very hard over here because you are usually shooting on location and they can't put the camera back far enough to get you in shot. And that's and that's not even a joke. You, I did a couple of things that I worked on where they would be like, yeah, yeah, okay, and they they always move the camera back and like focus, you know, put the lens in and stuff, and they can get you in. It all, it all works fine. And they would just come up against a wall and be like, oh oh, shit, you know, and then it becomes a whole thing and no one likes it very much. And then when I moved to America, you shoot everything on sound stages and they can make the wall disappear. Yes. So they just fly up into the sky and the camera goes back further and they're like, okay, got you, it's all fine. So I've worked worked so much more in America than I ever did here. (laughs) I think partly because I was tall, partly because I was probably quite shit as an actor at that that stage. I got a bit better as I got older. Um, But yeah, I I was, my, my thing I've said for a long time was that whilst when I was living here and working as a, as an actor, a sort of comedy actor in London, I they would make a project that was called like Tall Posh Boys Reach Things Off Shelves. <laughs> and I'd be like, my, my time has come. And then I couldn't get an audition for it. And I'd be like, God damn, this is impossible. They'd be like, well, we've got David Mitchell, we'll just put him on a box. And then he'll be, <laughs> then he'll be tall and posh and it'll be fine. So I, I kind of was getting a little bit, I, I was really starting to be like, mm, maybe, maybe I am going to be a history teacher or something like that because history was a big passion of mine. And I, but I broke up with my girlfriend who I was living with uh, due to other, not not due to uh, wall or history teacher reasons, um, and I so I was suddenly single, and I'd done a run of that show at the Soho Theatre for like I'd done like four or five weeks there, so I had a bit of cash for once. I was like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get a stick and bindle, and I'm gonna go to America for a couple of months. Uh, I've got an agent out there, and I was very lucky. I got, I arrived. I did one pilot season. I got cast on a show immediately. I did a pilot, and that 
got me a visa and it also got me a big uh, chunk of American dollars that meant yeah. that I was like, oh, I can stay here for a while. So I then, and I sold a script to, uh, that was for NBC. I sold a script to ABC. Neither of them went anywhere. But I was like, this is the land of milk and honey. Like everything I touch turns to gold here. And then I made zero dollars for about three years, but lived off the, the winnings of the, of the earlier things. And slowly started to like come back. I'd sell a pilot here and I'd do a little bit on a show there and I'd do a bit of this, that and the other. But because it, of the American system, they, it just pays way more than here. So yeah. if you do a pilot and it doesn't go, that's you set for the year or maybe for two years, sure. um, provided you're, you know, you're careful. Um, so I did that for a while and then kind of you know, slowly but surely met more people, did more things, did more pilots with people that didn't go anywhere and, and started to kind of make a little bit of a name for myself and then yeah got very lucky and scored a couple of like really solid ge- i got a job writing on mythic quests as i explained earlier and that was three that's been three years we've got another couple of seasons of that which hopefully I, i'll continue to write on i got cast on this show american auto on nbc it's been doing that and then this insane football business <laughs> which which has come very out of left field because it's a, it's a big move and, and some people try to do that move and it doesn't come up yeah. come off and some people uh, i mean a lot of Black actors and comedians who right. can't get work in, in the UK. Like London Hughes, for example. Yeah, go and then become huge, really well. yeah. become huge stars where, yes, yes. where it seems more a, a fairer system or a system that is more geared towards yeah. diversity, I suppose. I, I, think, I think... I mean, listen, it's not... It, it, it's not really... I've now been away from here for so long that it's, I don't know exactly what the state of play is right now, but, yeah. but I do think that over there, there was a little bit more of a... A sense of they like new, they like new faces. They love, they want to start. They want, they like having a star. So the show I'm on, American Auto, our lead is a woman called Anna Gasteyer, who's a brilliant uh, Saturday Night Live veteran, and uh, she's incredible and very talented. And they were like, right, she's in position. Now the rest of the cast, we, whoever we think's best for the role. And the thing I found very difficult over here was initially, as I said, I mean, I should make that joke about David Mitchell, but it was that period, it was just always the same people being yeah. cast in the, in the same things and no one else would kind of get a look in. Or you'd be man who gets headbutted in the testicles if you're tall enough. And, and yeah, I just, I, I found it more and more difficult. But I went over there and suddenly, well, I'll say this also, there were a lot of affable, posh twits, <laughs> actors over here. And I went there and there were way less of them. So the first, <laughs> the first few castings I go into, everyone would be like a lantern-jawed American beefcake. And then I'd be in there like, hi. And, they, and sometimes... <laughs> I would audition for things and they'd be like, huh, I mean, absolutely not. But this is interesting. This is different to what we're used to seeing. Yeah. So then I would get called back in. They'd, they'd think of things for other things. And, um, you know, I think here they, they, just, they were like, well, we, why would we have him when we could have Eddie Redmayne or Tom Sturton or any number <laughs> of, like, other good, actually good actors? Yeah. And, I mean, you're, you're settled in America now, right? So you're, you're married yeah. to an American. I am, yes. Yeah, I've been fantastic writer, Megan Gantz. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, v- vastly more talented and capable and everything than me. Um, I sort of trapped her very successfully. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we've been, uh, yes, married for we, seven, seven and a half years or right. something now. And we've worked together for the last few years. She's my boss. I mean, we, we would drive into work and then she's my boss. Right. And then we come home. And that's when she's my boss. Uh, so, <laughs> so the system works very well. Um, yeah, no, it's, and it's been, it's been a real, yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, I've been incredibly, 
incredibly fortunate for the last seven years to the degree that every now and then I'm like, is this a simulation? Am I dead? <laughs> Did I die? Is something happening? Am I being experimented on currently by aliens? Have I, have I just been unconscious for a fraction of a millisecond, but seven years have passed in my mind? Yeah. You know. We all feel like that. Yeah. I, you know, I'm the same with doing this podcast. I can well believe it. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Uh, look, you are a posh boy. You're very I'm very posh, posh boy, yeah. You seem like a nice posh boy. You went to a school where quite a lot of people... Churn out some real villains. There are some yeah. nice people came out. You yeah. and uh, George Orwell are quite nice. Who came Me and Big or, or, or we, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah I mean, well, I, you know, I would say, funny enough, I actually... I, just, I, I don't want to... Richard, I've cheated on you. I did another podcast this afternoon. Oh, my it was a football podcast, which also had another Old Etonian on it. And we did that thing that lots of Old Etonians do when they meet each other, where you have this sort of hangover thing like, oh, God, that's pretty, we're, we're responsible for some bad things, aren't we? <laughs> um, I mean, most of the people I went to school with, truly, I'd say out of, you know, I had 256 boys in my year. I'm going to say 220 of them, lovely, nice people. <laughs> yeah. The other 36 the worst people on the face of the planet. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, they're the ones that tend to sort of... Part of their worstness is their thirst to thrust themselves into everyone else's business and ruin it for them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely understand why people don't like all the Tonians. <laughs> I, um, it's something that, you know, again, coming into Wrexham, which is, uh, you know, a town that, that is traditionally very, uh, very red town, you know, it was a red wall constituency. Um, I was just, I was sort of in, slightly nervous that people would would be would hold that against me to a certain degree, but I think I, the the thing that I got away with very early on was that people people understood very quickly that I was like I really cared and that I love the football team and that I live and die sort of by our results and things and and they were like oh okay well that's that's a common ground that we can all get behind less into my swan eating and all the other posh stuff I do. <laughs> you know, that I, I just can't kick the habit. Once you've had a swan, it's delicious. It's understandable. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I, you know, with public school, it's not a choice that you yourself right. make, right? You're sent to public school when you're a child. It's not something you yeah. have d- decided to do. 
Yeah. Uh, it's so that's weird. And I, you know, I do you think? Did you board it? Were you? Were I you did. Yeah, I boarded. I boarded from seven to eighteen. I went. Uh, I went a year early. Right. So when I went to Lugrove before Eton, which is another exceedingly posh school. <laughs> Uh, where I shared a bedroom with Prince William. <laughs> um, it's pretty posh. Yeah. Um, and uh, I loved it. I had a great time. I mean, I, I was the, my only sort of sphere of understanding was just, I was like, this is what everyone does, isn't it? They get sort of dispatched by their parents to, to sleep in a dormitory with other small boys. Right. Um, and I, I was very lucky. I, I, I was, I like playing football. I like messing around. I like pretending to be a dinosaur with my friend Richard Knight. And I, it was, the whole thing was great fun for me. But I was also lucky because I was enormous from the jump. So I was, by the time I got to Eton, when I was, I was six foot when I was 13. So by the time I got to, to, to secondary school, I was a big lump. And, I, and that also probably afforded me more protection than it probably should have done. Right. Because I was a big lump who would pass out if you stood up too quickly. But <laughs> the baddies didn't know that. <laughs> they, they were unaware of that. And you yeah. don't feel that, because, you know, I, I wonder for some of those public school boys who yeah. went on to become horrible cunts. Yeah. Um, do you think that being sort of sent away at the age of seven, you know, it, 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 do you well, think it... Well, I think, I'm sure me being sent away at the age of seven has done all sorts of terrible yeah. things to my, my, my psyche and to all sorts of elements of my, my personality. I, I mean, I think that so much more of it comes from parents, mm-hmm. arguably, because, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the time we had at school... At Eton, the thing I've always said about going to public school, and the, the best thing about public school is it gives you... The thing they give you that's worth all the money is the confidence. Yeah. They teach you all the time, you can be whatever you put your mind to. That, and, and, they, and they don't say that. They just... You are, you, you're never discouraged from thinking you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. And that's the thing. When I got to university and I started to meet lots more people who come from other places who were much cleverer than me and much more driven and much more all sorts of things. The thing that I had that was an advantage was I was very confident. So I'd, I'd be in my history, you know, uh, we'd do our, our... I'm forgetting all the... Like our tutors. I think they were called our tutors. I think they were called tutors. You have a smaller group. I did history and then you get condensed down to a smaller group and you'd be assigned to a professor who you would discuss, you know, whatever it may be. I was always very, ha- I was always very comfortable and confident giving my opinions on... The invasion of Crete and whether you know whether it was a strategic masterstroke or a failure or whatever, uh, and, and that would be based off me reading, doing, having read one of the books, and I would see there'd be other people in the room who'd just be like, "I don't ask, please don't ask me any questions," yeah. and I'd be like, "I know you've done the reading, I know I see your essays are better than mine, you're all those things, but here I am, happy to fart on." Now that's a that's a very good thing in some respects, but it does also sporadically lead to prime ministers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Of various varying different types and tropes, and, and that confidence. So yes, I know, I understand, I can do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And confidence is a brilliant thing in life, provided it's not completely misplaced. And ironically, the pe- you know the people with the most misplaced confidence are the one are the, are the most confident of all of them. You know, and they are the ones who are like, yes, I should be in charge. I yeah. should run this. I've never wanted to be in charge of anything. Um, <laughs> hence why no, I'm not in actually in charge of football. I'm no, well, no. I mean, I, I, I'm I aid and abet in the in the enchargement of a football team. I bet all the chief executives of uh, national league football teams have went to Eton. I bet you they they're do. all Oldertonians and they're all actors. <laughs> they're all actors. Yes, yeah, yeah. So uh, McNulty, uh, the guy uh, Dominic, uh, whatever his name is from yeah. the Wire, yeah. Dominic West. Thank yeah. you from the Wire. Yes, he, uh, he runs uh, Maidstone, uh, Maidstone United. Uh, yeah, it's just all Aldertonian actors uh, throughout the National League. Do you, 
feel uh, upset that you are not the Earl of Suffolk, though, because your <laughs> your great great granddad was it? Was yes. It further than yeah, that? yeah. My grand Henry Howard. Dad. He's got a Wikipedia entry. My great great granddad isn't on Wikipedia. That we know Eight. of. No, I don't, well, that's true. Maybe. Jack the Ripper? Yeah, could, could be. be. Could be. <laughs> could be. No one ever quite worked out who that was. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, my, my grand... Uh, yeah, my grandmother. Uh, yes, her dad was the Earl of Suffolk. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm a fancy boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm a real fancy boy. I, I, I think there was like a, a... On my family's side... Well, get this. This is me burnishing my liberal credentials. Sort of. Very sort of. I think I have a I have a I think a great great grandfather or something like that who was uh, ennobled in uh, sort of the eighteen somethings and then he handed it back because he wanted home rule for the Irish he was okay. pro Irish independence which was not very fashionable at the time so I think we'll all agree I'm a real hero <laughs> I'm descended from heroes of the people uh, yeah I know I mean I, I there's no hiding it I'm, I am extremely posh yeah it's cool but it's you know but it's like. So is Danny Dyer. Danny Dyer is related to uh, uh, yes, right, William yes, the yeah, Conqueror. Yeah. So, you know, you and We're him are the same. We're cut from very similar cloth, yeah. me, and, me and Danny. I mean, if yes. you did go on, um, you, if you went on Who Do You Think You Are, we, you would, we'd get back to royalty. Do you know what? It'd be really boring because we've got so many records of the family back to, like, 1066. <laughs> yeah. They'd just be like, oh, I can tell you all that. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the one story that I always enjoyed when I was a kid was that... Um, my family, some, again, great, 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 whatever. So we, my family are, are Protestants who were sent to Ireland to, like, fight Catholics in the 1530s. That's, that was where they kind of started out. And um, then 200-odd years later, well, 270 or 60-odd years later, you had the 1798 Rebellion, where my family were on the side of the crown and the, the uh, Jervis Carr, who's some long-distant relative was a proper villain and, like, a baddie, and he, he killed lots of people in, in nasty ways. And um, he, uh, uh, Mel Gibson's production company wanted to make a movie about it and contacted my dad and was like, can we buy his rights? And he's going to be, like, the bad guy from our Irish Braveheart film. Right. <laughs> um, which was, like, something where you're like, well, you've got to be a real shithead if, uh, if A, you get that call up, and, B, nasty anti-Semite <laughs> Mel Gibson is able, to, is able to present himself as the better version of you. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, and he uh, he hanged a spy who was like a, a thirteen year old boy, and the boy's mother cursed him and said, "The I put a curse on your house and your family. The taller they get, the poorer they'll get." Right. And I am probably the poorest member of my family. Wow. So yeah, there you go. And imagine the future generations how tall they're going to be. Well, I'm not having kids, but if right. I did, they'd be <laughs> fucking enormous and very poor. Yeah, you're a quarter inch off being a giant. Yes, historically that has always been my belief, but I've recently keep bumping into people who say they're six foot seven and I'm taller than them. Yeah. So I've always been six foot seven and three quarters, and six foot eight is a giant. And and okay. uh, and but I think I might be I might be six foot eight in a bit. It's been a long time. Every time I go to the doctor, they try and measure me, and I go off the end of the thing, so yeah. they don't have a. I go off the other end. That's sure. That's the, that's you can't the, get on this ride. Yeah, there isn't a ruler short right. enough to Low measure enough. me. <laughs> it's a yeah. strange it's, I, was, you know, I was doing this thing with Richard Osman at the weekend who I've interviewed a few times but I was sort of standing waiting to go on and just I was in front of him and I just saw the reflection of us in the mirror it's, it's like sure. we're like two different species not yes. even the same species and he's a big lad as he well is. like he's broad as well he's broad, got a very broad chest massive. and big shoulders and yeah he's he's he is tall but yes it's yeah, you know, it's the glorious wonder of life for all different, <laughs> all, all different shapes and sizes. I guess, you know, what do you think? Do you think it's an advantage uh, evolu- in evolutionary terms to be tall or small? I guess if the, you know, if 
the the sky falls down a long way. I'll be in. I'll be. You'll be safer for a bit yeah. longer. Yeah. Um. Uh, I mean, I listen. It, I, as I said, I was a twelve pound five ounce baby, so I was massive baby and just a massive chest, a few sides of horror from from <laughs> various women in the crowd. Yeah. I mean, I blasted out of there like a real mon- monster <laughs> horror show. Um. And um, just bad news all around for my mum. Um. I'm afraid. Um. God bless her. Uh, uh, so yes, I was always very tall, and and it's always been a pain in the ass. I mean, it was like a pain in the ass at school. I always got in trouble whenever there was a collective when we were caught playing cricket indoors or football indoors or doing whatever whatever infraction. I was always the one that got shouted at because in the same way that whenever I go paintballing, I always get killed immediately. <laughs> Everybody's like, "Well, I can hit him. Uh, I'll shoot at him." So that's a bit of pain. Buying clothes is a nightmare. Fitting on aeroplanes and trains and, you know, uh, just in seats in general. Actually, this is a great seat. I'm finding this very comfortable. But normally, if I'm in the audience, it's really uncomfortable because it comes, like, the back of the seat comes up to, like, halfway through my back. (laughs) And then I slouch down and then my, like, spine. I mean, I've got back problems. I've got, Richard, my life is a living nightmare. I live in hell. (laughs) I'm in hell right now um, because of my sizable frame. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been happier to be small. Uh, though my back also hurts, so maybe it's not. That's not oh, the answer. Yeah. Um, tell me about uh, being on Curb Your Enthusiasm. That must have been exciting. Oh uh, well, you know it. It sucked. It is. <laughs> I'm going to be completely frank. Not because of anyone that, that did anything there, but that was. I was so excited. I got call, I got the call. Literally, like, hey, will you come and be on Curb Your Enthusiasm in like two days' time? And I was like, yes, yeah, you bet I will. Like, I can't wait. That's so exciting. And it was an episode where um, Tom Hanks's son, not Colin. But Chet Hayes, the other one, who's kind of weird. Uh, it, it was an episode where he... It was a really funny idea. It was a great episode where he takes Larry to an um, American War of Independence reenactment thing. It's, like, very against his character. He's, like, a bad white rapper um, in real life, Chet right. Hayes. And, and the idea was it's him. And it was like, oh, isn't it funny that this guy who's a bad white rapper also loves doing historical reenactment? And I got hired to play... The idea was that we were going to have a scene where I, I'm playing a British reenactor... And I shoot Larry with my pretend gun, and he refuses to die because it's too early on in the day. Yeah. And he's like, "Whoa, what am I going to lie on the floor here all day? Like, no way, I'm not doing this," you know. And it was like, "Oh, this," is, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to do a scene with Larry David." But the nature of that thing is, it's very there isn't a script really. It's just like this is what what's going to happen. And they did, were doing this huge sequence. We were outside, and there were air cannons going off, like blowing earth. I mean, it was a whole thing. And normally, all their scenes are in a restaurant or a hotel or a yeah. very simple thing, and they just lost control of the day which is which is the thing that happens all the time when you're making tv they they're just getting behind and behind and behind and behind and so i got there at sort of 4 30 in the morning um uh, into huntington beach got in my gear it's all very excited and about 4 p.m a sort of assistant director was like we're not gonna do your scene it's Aww. not gonna be in the show anymore and i was like oh and they're like but we keep seeing you in the background of shots and you're like enormous so could you just stay here for the rest of the day oh, no. so i then was like oh i'm an extra like i'm now an extra on this which is nothing wrong with being an extra that's it's an excellent use of people's time but i, I had had the the carrot dangled of like well this is this is going to yeah. be an amazing experience and it, it just sort of wasn't great so that was my Kirby Enthusiasm uh, experience. That could be an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm. That's right. Uh, yes. That's yeah, it has elements of that. It definitely <laughs> has element, the irony trapped in the loop. Um, but yes, I mean, it was still, it was exciting. He was incredibly nice. Everyone was very nice. Everyone was very friendly. But it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, I got this close. You yeah. Know? But anyway. Uh, I was following you on Twitter over the weekend. I mean, this the story oh, of you c- sure. coming to the... Sure, sure. Flying over to try and catch... Yes, Blythe Spartans, Re- Blythe Spartans versus, Wrexham. versus Wrexham. Yes. 
Yeah, um, FA Cup fourth qualifying round yeah. game up in Newcastle. It was quite a journey getting here. It sure was. Yeah, I, I left work on Thursday night. And it was filming on Thursday and uh, got home about 6, 7 o'clock and uh, quickly packed all my stuff up and got up, got, got to the airport 7 a.m. on Friday, had this whole thing worked out. I was going to fly L.A. to Chicago, Chicago to London, London to Newcastle, get to Newcastle about 9.20 in the morning and uh, uh, make it to the game, which is a 1, 1 p.m. kickoff because it had been moved to 1 p.m. to be on ESPN in America, which is absurd, <laughs> um, but God bless them for doing it. Um, got to Chicago, discovered that my plane was delayed by four or five hours, never going to make my connection, switched to another plane. Uh, part of my move meant that I went from an emergency exit legroom seat to a middle aisle seat, um, which is a living hell for me. Uh, but I got up and wandered around and, and got through it. But that flight was also delayed. So I got to London after I landed five minutes after my flight had taken off to go to Newcastle. So I abandoned my suitcase and got myself to King's Cross and got on a 10 a.m. train from King's Cross to Newcastle and got there about 20 minutes into the first half. Um, smelling like an old donkey <laughs> um, uh, and just so jet-lagged and out of it that we scored uh, about halfway through the second half and they scored in the 90th minute and I was like, that's oh, all right, there's like 20 minutes left. And they were like, what? It's the 90th minute. I was like, huh? Oh, no. And then the referee blew his whistle. like, oh, oh, God. I don't know what's happening or where I am. And you travelled all that way. I travelled all that way to see a 1-1 one, 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 one draw away at Blythe. Yeah. But very selfishly, everyone at the club, obviously, when things like that happen, for, for us, it's a, it's a giant pain in the ass because you're suddenly like, oh, no, we've now got to stage a game at last minute's notice. We've got a game on Tuesday night, we've got tomorrow night. We've got this whole thing going on. But me, secretly, I was like, hee-hee, I get an extra game of football to watch while I'm, while I'm in town. Um, because I'm not having to find all the uh, security guys to staff sure. the stadium. I was most impressed by you leaving your suitcase behind. I didn't know you could even do that. You, it turns out you can. Again, yeah. confidence. You're just yeah. very confident about <laughs> things. Like, well, uh, this will be here when I come back. Um, yes, that, which they. I was like, well, I knew I wouldn't have enough time, given that I was literally like every minute counts at this moment in time. I was like, I can't go to the luggage thing and be like, I know you're going to put that on a plane to Newcastle. Can you take it off that plane to Newcastle and give it to me? I was like, that'll take an hour. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just go, and then I'll contact BA from the, from the train and be like, this is what the situation, can I get my thing back? And then I was reunited with it, this was Saturday, I was reunited with it about two hours ago. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so I went to Uniqlo, bought a lot of cheap pants, and just sort of shuffled around London, being a bit disgusting for three days. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the dedication of a football well, that, fan and a football yes. executive. Well, that's, as I say, it's such a massive, still remains a crazy, weird, wonderful privilege and honour to do this. So I'm like, if I get a chance, I'm like, oh, I'm going to bust my hump to try and get there. Yeah. Right, I'm going to ask you some emergency questions. Please. Um, let's see what we get to. Have you ever seen a ghost? Because, you know, you've, you're posh. I, so you probably have seen the ghosts. I spend a disproportionate amount of time in castles. Yeah. Yes, um, the, the famous abode, the abode of ghosts. Um, I uh, I was absolutely convinced I saw one when I was little. Right. Um, and it was a good. This is a good spooky thing. So I was staying in a big posh house, and that was this is where it all began. Was that I was like, this is, it's oh, it's so big and drafty. Um, and, and, but I stayed. I was staying in a, in a bedroom there. And there was a fox's head on the wall. Yeah. So it's already, this is a spooky environment <laughs> to be nine years old in or ten years old or whatever it was. And I, you know, it was like, I'm not putting out the light, I'm not putting out the light, I'm going to continue reading, you know, whatever Wilbur Smith book I was reading at the time. Um, and uh, at a certain point, I was like, it, it's looking at me. 
it wasn't looking at me. It was facing that way, and then it's turned. It's turned. Wow. Not very good for the podcast audience. It was great for the people who were here. <laughs> they loved that bit of stagecraft. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I was convinced that, you know, while I was reading the book, that it had slowly turned and was looking at me. And I was absolutely, I mean, I was like pinned to the bed. I was so convinced and terrified that oh, that's yeah. what happened. And I like scuttled through into my parents' bedroom and was like, <laughs> the fox looked at me and it's definitely a ghost. So I was absolutely sure of that. And then as years went by, I was like, I think it was facing towards me the whole time. <laughs> made that whole thing up in my head. So I don't think I have seen a ghost. I think that's the most likely explanation. But I think when, when Occam's razor tells us that the fox <laughs> has definitely pointed at my bed and I hadn't really taken it or in. Or maybe you just moved your bed around without you. That is also possible. Yeah. I, realize I just, just slow, I just been, yeah, yeah. I've been so. Or maybe the, the bed was the ghost. Oh, whoa. <laughs> the bed was the ghost all the time. That's a great twist. Are we, can we make that shorter film? We, may, we do very well. I was talking to Stephen Mangan on my book club podcast mm. about, about animals' heads on walls, and it's a really fucking strange so weird. Yeah. thing. Why do posh people like putting... It's the sort of thing a serial killer would do, right? Yes. Like with their... I mean, because most serial killers start off torturing and killing animals. Sure. And then go, here's... Here's all the animals that I've tortured and <laughs> sure, killed. Sure, sure. And I put I went to that I went to Brodick Castle on the Isle of Arran on my holiday in yeah. Scotland. And it's a horrible castle. It's full of quite racist stuff oh, as well. Oh boy. Yeah. Which they've said we're leaving this up as this historical accuracy. Yeah. And because we're also racist now. Sure. Um, but it's, uh, there's no need don't don't put it up. It's horrible. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't yeah. take it. We don't need yes, this. Yes, I don't I don't just to but, be controversial the end, I don't kind of take much I don't really brook that whole argument. No. So just get rid of it and tell just, people, yeah, they used to be racist as bad. Anyway. Doesn't, but, but Well, not worse, but it's this whole hallway with about 300 stag's heads. I mean, yes, just like right. so many stag's heads. Right, right, right. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's obviously because hunting's a big thing. Yeah, I mean, I listen, I grew up in that world, but it yeah. wasn't for me. And that was one of the things that I, you know, I discovered as I sort of, you know, got slightly more confident in myself and my things I was like, oh, I don't, this is not, I'm not into this. And actually that's, I think, a big part of where my love for football came from because that was on Saturdays and Saturdays is often when all that stuff goes on. Right. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd love to go and strangle a badger, but I, I, <laughs> I've got to, I've got to play football. Like, yeah. oh, next time, next time, don't, don't leave me off that list. <laughs> I, I'll come next time. Uh, yeah, and so I think that was why Saturday started to get a very football focus for me. And I you've been warned like off by that fox as well, haven't you? I had also, yeah, he, yeah it stared in my eyes and was like, can't kill you, can't kill you. Like, oh no, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but then ironically, I ended up with a footballer's head on my wall. Yes, I, 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 I killed and mounted Michael Owen on my, on my bedroom wall. Yeah. Good. Um, what is the worst cheese that you'd still be prepared to eat? Oh, I mean, I mean... I, I hate to swear, fucking anything. Yeah. I, I love cheese. I mean, I, I, I know that, uh, I mean, obviously the sort of the sensible thing to say is like craft cheese slices, but yeah. then you get them on a cheeseburger and it's incredible. Yeah. Like it's the, it's the best of the cheeseburger cheeses. That's true. I don't care for, when, when you go somewhere and they're like, we've got a rock for cheeseburger. I'm like, no, I, I put that on the side. I like that on the side. I don't want it interfering with my, my beef. So they're, they're, I, love, I love all cheese. That's not true. I don't like blue cheese, but I love... All other cheeses. Okay. Yeah. Do you eat the rinds of cheese as well as the yes. cheese? Yeah, me too. Yes. Lots yes, of people don't yes. eat the rinds though, right? Yeah, lots. Yeah. I, I didn't for a long time. And then, and then one time I did and was like, I've been missing out on a whole glorious... It's the best, it's the best bit. Yes. The most disgusting bit is the best bit. Yes. Like so many things. I life. mean, it's like eating, 
you know, your own skin or something, which is the best thing you can do, right? It's like eating the skin no of a comment. dead, of a gnarled uh, dead a gnarled woman. Dead. <laughs> That's why I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know when a corpse washes up on the beach after a disaster and it's like when you eat that? Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, there's something to chew on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something to it's think a, about. It's yeah, it really some, been used. Gives you some then. thoughts. Yeah. You're like, this cheese has suffered and that makes it more fun. Yeah. No, I get it. Good, I'm glad you get it. Um, I'm going to consider what I ask you next. Um, you know, this is out of interest because you're posh and you're yes. tall. And I don't know whether posh tall people do this. Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? Uh, I mean, uh, I must have done. Let's <laughs> round be of applause. Yes, someone, round someone of about that. I think that's, again, Andy, the Rexham fan. <laughs> is like, we need to get to the bottom of this. Like, if this fellow's in charge of our club, I want to know. Uh, no, uh, uh, have I ever tried? I mean, listen, I must have done it. I'm incredibly inflexible, and yeah. I got very inflexible very early on, so I know that I, I would have I been thwarted at that yeah. at any point. I mean, you maybe just thought there's no point. There's no, I definitely can't. Look, to be honest, it's, it, uh, it's so readily available to me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> when no. you're posh, you've just got people to suck it anyway, right? It's for you. Uh, when you're this tall, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, okay. that's what really does it, because it's just ease of access. Uh, yeah. No, uh, no. I mean, I th- as I say, I'm, I'll be honest, I think I must have tried, because hasn't everyone sort of tried? But no, I, I just I couldn't reach it. It's yeah. too far away. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. It's, always, real, it's always a sad thing when that... A when, real blow. ...when that happens. Um, do, you, do, you, do you think your obituary photo has already been taken? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, because I think it's only going to get worse from here. <laughs> do you? So I think. Do you not think your greatest successes are ahead? The, there will be it, something that will be a role that you're best known for. Maybe Wrexham. Well, it, this thing. If it depends on what the, the headline is. If it's like disgraced former football executive, <laughs> then I sort of hope the po- photo's already been taken. Um, <laughs> If it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yes, listen, that would be, yeah, holding some silverware would be very nice. I would take that. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I've got anything else. I've got my Perspex Dave Comedy Award uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, photo. Um, but no, yes, all right, I'll say, I'll say I hope it hasn't been taken okay. yet because that means there's good, good times to come. And do you think this, I mean, the, I really recommend the Wrexham show, uh, but do you think, how, uh, even if the show doesn't go on, how yeah. long do you think... The this well, experiment or this uh, yeah. project, maybe we should call it rather than yes. The, well. the the well, I mean, we had a bo- the last board meeting we had, which was in LA in 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 August. Ryan said he wants to be doing this when he's seventy, and so provided he'll they'll keep me. Um, I, I hope I'll still be doing it when I'm sort of seventy. Well, actually, by the time I'm seventy, I definitely don't want to be flying back and forth. I don't want to fly to Blythe on a, <laughs> a centre aisle seat when I'm seventy. So maybe, but I mean, you know, as long as as long as you know. The, the town and the, and the fans will still have us, and as long as, you know, they, they still want to do it. The best thing, we talked briefly beforehand, the best thing in the documentary, for me, the moment that I enjoy the most is the moment, you, you literally see the moment when Ryan gets the bug. We, we scored, we played not, uh, Stockport County in a FA Trophy semi-final, who, we, who were, at the time, we were sort of necking, well, we were trying to chase down in the league, and there was, there was a real intense rivalry. And they came to us, and we had a. It was nil nil in the 91st minute. Paul Mullen, who's sort of our star player, scored the goal of the season for us. It's incredible, sort of chip from like deep in in uh, deep far outside the box, uh, and won the game. And Ryan lost his mind. And I think that was the moment where he he suddenly realised that it was it always been a thing that he was into and he was excited about. But it it was 
it was sort of a, a cerebral exercise, and that's when it became like a thing that was, oh no, I've caught the bug, and I care about, it. and and now it, like he's obsessed, yeah, obsessed, and and so that's a really that's kind of an exciting. You just see that very often on documentaries, someone making that transition. Sure, and you know, it's I don't know, it's it, it's it's very artfully done, and and the, whoever the team are following the the inhabitants of Wrexham, yeah, and the, and the players and their families. And there's some sad stories, and there's yeah. uh, there's the, uh, there's a guy who's been involved in football hooliganism who seems like an okayish kind of guy, and he's a, a, you know, he's, yeah. but he's upset that he's that you know he loves the, the he's in, he's uh, sad that his yes. stupid behaviour has made, meant that he can't go yes, to the yes. games. But it's sort of fascinating to see that rather than just I'm a you know, you no, know sure, ooh, and just like the way that that would be dramatised. It's a real person. With yeah, you know, with with torn emotions and well, that's and it's it, the whole show is this weird sort of juxtaposition between these two people that lead these wild lives in, yeah. in Hollywood, and then a, a, a town of very normal people that are that are united by one thing, which is that they just love the football club. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And if you are a billionaire, spend it. Be like Ebenezer Scrooge and change your ways and spend yeah. some money on other people because yeah. it'll make you happy. They love it. They love yeah. every second of this. Yeah. And it's like, I refuse to believe that Jeff Bezos loves flying around in his stupid proto-spaceship as much <laughs> as they enjoy doing this. Did you see William Shatner talking about him going, his going into space? It's kind of made him, it's made him quite depressed. Yes. Which was quite interesting because they were all coming out going, whoa, we've done it, he'd been yeah. in space. And then it's made him aware of the... I can't quite. I didn't read. I don't, can't quite remember exactly yes, what he but said. It's like but it how was tiny pretty, we are in the universe. Yeah, but he's sort of that. come down feeling. Yeah, I sort, sort of, of get that. Yeah, I do get that. Um, you know, I, 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 we beat Stockport three 0 in the league. Yeah. After that, it was incredible. Then the next day, it's like, oh, got to do it all again on Saturday. <laughs> like, can we do that? So me and William Shatner are very similar very figures similar. In, that, in that regard. Have a lot of shared DNA. Um, no, I mean, I, 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 yes, I think. I don't know. It's just it, it, again, similarly. If I if I won the Euro Millions, I would I would do the exact same thing all over again, like yeah. somewhere else. Sorry, I'm out. <laughs> I'll get my own club. And I beat Wrexham. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. But I, but I, but you know, I, 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 I can't recommend it more highly. I'm sure you have many billionaires that listen to this show. Yeah, if, if you, they do. Yeah, a, give us some money. Yes, or maybe invest in a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Put a lot of money into a, into a popular podcast. Can you give me millions of pounds? Bylog.tv. It's available. I'll, I'll buy the theatre. Yes, I'll, you know, I'll change everything and get it loads of lights and stuff. Yeah, and dancing girls and men and robots. Okay. Yes. 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 And uh, yeah. I'll get a machine where I can suck my own cock, and I'll be happy. It does all sound like it's for for your benefit, (laughs) rather than uh, you're not like I'm going to make the seats more comfortable. It will help the community because they can watch me watch you (laughs) fillet yourself. Having sex with the thing they've all wanted. Yeah, 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 yeah. It will be that's the that's been the narrative flow of this podcast. That's what they're waiting. Been building to that moment, (laughs) and then once I've done that. I could move on and go away. Um, look, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm delighted everything's going so well for you. Thank you. Uh, please thank your wife for her fantastic writing, especially on Community. Which yes. I'm, I wouldn't be able to get beyond that if I was married to somebody written for Community. It's, yeah, it's, listen, I, I first saw Megan in the distance at a, a Paley Fest event for Community and was so excited because I like, followed her on Twitter and I was a huge fan of her work. Yeah. I was like, whoa, she... They made a stand-up because she had written... A, a, I, they were talking about one of the episodes she'd written, I think, Cooperative Calligraphy, or one, I, I can't remember which one it was. And uh, um, she stood up and I was like, oh, my God, that's Megan Cat. 
It's like, well, it's really, really exciting. Uh, so when we first went out on a date, I, I, I waited like two dates before. I was like, I've followed you on Twitter forever. I think you're brilliant. Um, <laughs> and by that stage, fortunately, she had already sort of bought into the whole thing. Yeah. But yes, I will thank her. Yeah. I'll tell her. Well, but, um, it's really amazing. You know, it's great to see. It's not amazing because you, you were always so talented anyway, but it's, got, it's such an interesting story to, for you to go there and, oh, and be a big you. success in America and then come back and be a big success in Wrexham. I've, come, I've, I've, what, I've know, graced the, sta- the Leicester Square the Leicester stage. Square Theater, I mean, what? I'm just a man of the people. There's, nothing, there's nothing left for you, Alfred. <laughs> no, nothing. but I loved... I mean, I, it, I've, I thoroughly enjoyed coming back tonight because yeah. I, it's so fun being back here. I remember many times lurking in that, that room being like, God, I hope people like Victorian-themed sketches <laughs> <laughs> we're about to churn out to a big audience um they sometimes did um but yes it, it's um no it's so it, it's very fun to be here thank you and why me. do you pronounce your name wrong oh that's, that's what i yes. last question okay. I ask you well just unbelievable stubbornness again yeah. that confidence you get taught at a posh school where my so k-e-r-k-e-r-r-c-a-r-r they're all from the same sort of clan in, yeah. in lowland scotland so we got taken from there protestant scottish people got sent to ireland to fight catholics and as they all moved into different areas people there was there wasn't a, a there wasn't a settled spelling of it so all those names are theoretically supposedly pronounced car or, or care but uh, like deborah car k-e-r-r mm, um yeah. yeah but no it's i mean listen it's wrong but it's and by the way apart from like when I'm being professionally introduced or something, I usually just say "cur." Like whenever I go, <laughs> like oh, when my suitcase was was uh, when I was trying to get my suitcase back from BA, it was like it says "cur" on it, K E R, and then quite often people will add an R. Yeah. If I fill out a form, I give it to them and they go like, oh, and they put an R. And I'm like, hey, so, sorry, it's only one. So like, yeah, I do know how to spell my own name. <laughs> I promise. But yes, it's dumb. Yeah. I uh, I was thinking about changing it. Um, professionally at the start of things and going for some sort of stage name type thing that was less dark. Would you, would you stick with Humphrey if you were... If, if I was thinking about David name? Rivers because that's... David is actually my yeah. first name. Okay. But my dad is also David. Okay. And so... And the tradition in the family is you go by your second name. Um, so I'm David Humphrey Rivers Carr is my oh, full name. Okay. So I was like, David Rivers. That sounds... That's that is pretty quite cool. nice. It's pretty cool. But then for whatever reason, I just have never got around to it. And it's, like, it's just too weird because then I tried it at times in my life. I've tried to go by David... And then people would say, hey, David. And I'd go, well, <laughs> and that didn't work. It was very helpful. Do you, are you too young to remember the advert for Watch Out? There's a Humphrey about. Uh, I heard about it yeah. loosely when I was, when I was younger. Okay. Here's the thing. Yeah. Okay, so this is, this is a crazy thing. And I'm wondering how best to address this because it involves. So you know how uh, young people sometimes have sort of, particularly obviously young black people have, have re, reclaimed the n-word as a, yeah. as, a, as a term of sort of sort of endearment sort of term of sense of self and sense of community there is a meme online which is i can't believe there are n-words out here called humphrey right that's the thing that people okay. it's a big meme oh i get sent it all the time by <laughs> right. like random people uh and i get tagged into stuff so i'm constantly being tagged into posts that have the n-word in them and i'm like oh no i shouldn't be here like i know this is to make fun of me but like i don't i don't, I don't want to be here yeah. so that's a very that's a weird new thing and like, I, i'll go through phases where i just suddenly 
I'll be like, I've got 55 Instagram notifications. Like, what is this? And then it's like, oh, boy, this meme has, like, resurfaced. Okay. I'll send you the, I'll send you the watch out. There's a Humphrey about one. That, that sounds much safer nicer. and nicer. Yes, yeah, I yeah. I love that. that. I was very little, so you were, you were definitely not born then. Yeah, I would have thought that wiped out Humphrey time. as a name, to be honest. But there Right. Were. Well, I was named Humphrey after some, my parents had some friends who had a dog called Humphrey, and they liked it. <laughs> but it also, Humphrey means gentle giant, and I was a wow. gigantic baby. So they were okay. like, all right. <laughs> This makes sense. It all fit together. Good. Well, I'm going to call you Humphrey Kerr. Whoa. And uh, I'd like to... Act of, act of real aggression right at the end. <laughs> yes. You thought we'd had a nice time. You better like it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause for Humphrey Carker. Carker. Humphrey <laughs> David Rivers. Thank you. I... Thank you for having me. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Humphrey Carr. Thank you to Scant Regard for playing some music during this bit. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I thank you very much also to Chris Evans, not that one, or that one. Uh, thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre and to my mum and dad, Barbara and Keith Herring, for having me and bringing me up quite nicely. Uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Head to GoFasterStripe.com. You can buy downloads of my shows and all my books. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash fallback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.